Hey everyone, it's Jonah Higuchi, and you're listening to another episode of The Scout, a podcast in which we take a deeper look at the programs and organizations of the Boy Scouts of America, including Venturing, Order of the Arrow, Sea Scouts, and Scouts VSA. Joining us for this week's episode is Bryce Hansen, the chief of Section W3N. Bryce is an Eagle Scout of Troop 73 in Navato, California. He's also a Brotherhood member who hails from Tolaco Lodge in the Marin Council. Throughout his scouting career, Bryce has attended various national events, such as the 2015 National Order of the Arrow Conference, the 2016 Next Conference, and the 2017 National Scout Jamboree. On top of that, he has also had the opportunity to serve staff for other national events within the Order of the Arrow, like the 2018 National Order of the Arrow Conference, serving on the social media staff, and what would have been the 2020 National Order of the Arrow Conference on the Engagement Planning Committee. Bryce has also recently graduated high school and plans to attend Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, when did you get into scouting? and Was there a particular reason why you got into scouting? All right. So I joined scouting as a Weeblos 2, as an arrow of light. Um, and I got involved because my dad was involved when he was a kid. He, was, he felt the experience was super impactful to him. And so he wanted, I have a twin brother, and he wanted my brother and I to get involved as well. Um, and so that first opportunity we did that was towards the end of Cub Scouts and then jumped right from there into Boy Scouts. Okay. All right. And um, what were some of your most uh, proud accomplishments in scouting, whether it be Eagle Scout, Ad Altari Day, if you were religious at all, stuff like that? Gotcha. So um, I am an Eagle Scout. That's first and foremost. Um, I am... That was a, a long, long process. I was stalled at Star Scout for like a year, stalled at Life Scout for like three, but I eventually made it to Eagle um, a month ahead of the deadline, which is a lot of time compared to most people I know. Um, and then my time in the OA is something that's super, super special. I'm sure we're going to cover this more. Um, but some of my biggest accomplishments in that have been getting to the position of section chief, serving as lodge chief, serving on the COC, serving um, at national events, all that sort of stuff has been huge for me in my scouting career. Okay, okay. Yeah, I have to say, um, I didn't stall at Star or Life. I stalled at Tenderfoot for a good two years. I'm like, uh, you know, I'm kind of getting into a few other things at school, and I'm like, let's take a break from scouting for a little bit. So. I am motivationally stalled at Tenderfoot. Like I spend a lot of time being like, scouting is not for me. I'm not enjoying the people here. I'm not, I'm not really enjoying the activities. So I was going to meetings, but I was more dragged to meetings uh, for the first year or so. And then eventually I found somebody who I clicked with and they were actually the person who introduced me to the OA. Um, but yeah, for that first year, it was real rough going. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, and then same with Cub Scouts. I, uh, I was fortunate enough to be in a great pack, but the only downside was the meetings were, uh, dare I say it, boring. It was really just covering paperwork the entire time for Arrow of Light, like throughout my Weeblos career. You know, it, it was just all that. And uh, 
and you know I'm grateful that they covered that material in such de- uh, in such depth, but at the same time, you know it, it it got boring after a while. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, my cup. I can barely remember my Cub Scout experience. It was just very non-eventful. Um. So, at what point in your scouting career did you get inducted into the Order of the Era? Uh, so I was inducted in the OA in October 2014. Um, and the reason I was inducted, as I said, is because this friend that I made in the OA, or in my troop, sort of dragged me into it. And the way he did that was saying, hey, there's this really cool event coming up called NOAC, NOAC 2015, and I think you should go to it. And he told me a bunch of stories from his time at NOAC 2012, and I said, that sounds awesome. I'd love to go. How do I go? He said, you have to join the OA. And I said, what's the OA? Um, and then my next, and this was, I don't know, this was over the summer. So then the next few months was me making sure that, that I had my nights of camping and I was the right rank and all that sort of stuff before I was officially inducted October 2014. Okay. All right. Um, was there a particular, like, pull factor to the OA? Was it the program? Was it the service? Was it all of the national events? Uh, I was, like, the initial pull was really, like, the, the reason that I got involved from the outset was because I wanted to go to NOAC. Like, that, that was it. Um, that being said, I did my ordeal. I, I bonded with that, that group there, both my fellow candidates and with the, the members of my lodge. And then I went to the first meeting, and at that first meeting, I had uh, an older scout come up to me uh, who uh, was actually uh, one of our vice chiefs, and he said, hey, Bryce, I'm looking for a uh, committee chair of elections uh, for your area of the lodge. Do you want to do it? And at this point, I'm a, I'm a wee little, like, I've, my first lodge meeting, I've, I'm like 14 or 13, 13 at the time. I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. I have nothing better to do. I'm a 13 year old, um, and yeah, it's it's been off to the races ever since. Is I, I came for NOAC, but I stayed for leadership position after leadership position, responsibility after responsibility. Okay, all right. Uh, moving on to your next question, what do you think was your biggest accomplishment in the OA? Was it brotherhood? Was it becoming a section chief? Why? That so that's sort of a weird way to go about this question for me because I don't feel like anything I have done is like I I have accomplished things in my time in the OA but it's really not for me about the accomplishment um it's about the the process of of serving your position and doing it to the best of your ability so through that um I'd say some of the the biggest like obstacles I've had to jump over um one of them was actually this past year. So I've my second time serving as second secretary. Um, I was that we had had to hold a special election halfway or towards the end of the year, right up before our conclave. Um, and the previous secretary wasn't able to fulfill the duties, so there'd been basically no advertising or um, driving for. Um, for registrations up until this point and at this point we are it was like early july so we were two months out from conclave nine weeks out from conclave and we had like i don't know 85 people registered and our goal was 350 um 
And so over that two and a half month period or nine week period, uh, I, my section chief said, Bryce, can you get us 350? And I said, oh, easy. I can get us 350. And in my head, I'm like, maybe I can get us a 325. Like maybe in the last few years, we've been around the 300, 325 mark. Uh, and I'm going, I'm going, I'm sending out tons and tons uh-huh. of emails, calling a bunch of people, calling the lodge chiefs to get them to call people. And it's, it's going pretty well. Like, we we hit from 80 goes to 180 goes to uh 250 and then maybe three weeks out from conclave we hit maybe three four weeks out from conclave we hit 300 people all right i think i can do this i think i can get 350 people um in the next like three-ish weeks and right as we're hitting 300 i get another call from my section chief and he says bryce 350 is great but it's not good enough i wanted to get 400 people to my conclave I said, well, well, Ryan, you're really pushing the envelope on this one. I didn't expect to get 350. So uh, here we go. Um, and so I doubled down on the emailing. Uh, I got to the point where I was sending an email to, like, to our entire database probably every two to three days um, for, for weeks on end. So we started to get to the point where like, people just started mass unsubscribing from our emails. Um, but we got to Friday end of Conclave, and we had 401 people registered. So that's, that's of the things I've accomplished, that's, that's a tangible one is that we went from 80 to 400 in a matter of weeks for registration for Conclave. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, um, you know, uh, for our section, our Conclave is, I think September. I'm You're 4N, four, four right? Yeah, 4N. Yeah, same weekend as ours. All right. Um, and I'm the ARC CBC, so I'm not necessarily the one dabbling in registration, but I hear a lot of stories from, um, uh, from the Section Key 3. Uh, especially, we have, you know, two slightly inactive lodges within our section. Oh, I, I, am, I am oddly familiar with what's going on in 4N, just because I'm friends with some of, the, some of the past leadership of 4N. So, yeah, I am... <laughs> I'm aware of what's going on over there. We have we have similar-ish problems. It's it's sort of widespread in the OA. Is not every lodge is is super super active, and so at, at the section level, your job is to do the best with what you have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, all right. Um, so you mentioned that you were the chairman of the committee for elections, right? For I think your lodge. Yeah, for my lodge. So my lodge is actually super super small. So we don't even have chapters. We just have a lodge. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Um, so was it, would you consider that a leadership position at all? I'd say so. Um, it's, it's not a very exciting leadership position. It's not a, a flashy one, but as the bridging CBC, as the election CBC, I had to coordinate, um, with, or not CBC, vice chief, committee chair, whatever. I had to coordinate with members of my lodge to make sure people were going to these elections, were going to these bridging ceremonies, make sure the projector got where it needed to go, or the regalia. Uh-huh. Um, and so to that end, making sure, like, getting that organization level, because I've actually never been um, much of a troop leader. Like, I've never been a patrol leader. I've never been an a- ASPL. I've never been an SPL. I think the, the farthest I got through that system was like i was a troop guide for a while 
Mm. Um, so that was my first real leadership in scouting was this job of, um, of uh, bridging's chair and election chair. All right. So what was your main motivation to become a section officer in the OA? So I have never not held a leadership position when, I'm, when I've been in the OA. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I was that bridging's chair, elections chair for the first year. Um, on the one-year anniversary of me being in the lodge, I became the lodge chief. And then it was off to the races from there. So I went bridging's chair, then lodge chief for a year. Then I was a CVC of no, ceremonies. I think. Then I was section secretary. Then I was section secretary slash CBC of um, of program essentially. And now I'm section chief. So I've just been going and going and going and going. I've never stopped going um, through through leadership in the OA and taking those opportunities as they come up. Um, I at a big picture level, uh, the way that I feel like I'm best contributing to my time in scouting is through sort of the macro level planning and organization. Um, Because a little secret about being a leader is usually the leader isn't very good at hardly anything, but their goal is to sort of surround themselves with the people who are good at stuff. Um, And so that's what I've been doing. I've been finding that I have a sort of a knack for is when I got to the section chief level is like, okay, I need to find a show CBC, an activity CBC, a training CBC, what have you, someone to do host lodge and all these sorts of different things. And while I might not be the best script writer or trainings planner or what have you, I have found the people who are, and I've been really enjoying sort of taking those people from different corners of scouting and being able to sort of steer that ship through the planning process. So at, since I've been involved in scouting and at the section level since my second year, since being a lodge chief, I've always had, like, I've always been aware of what's going on up there. Um, and seeing that happen with these people who became my friends, these other section chiefs and section officers. And so that's always been something that I've been aiming at is that I felt like I would also have a uh, successful, effective time at that position, but also just have a really enjoyable experience. At all right. All right. Hmm. All right. Um, and now that you're section chief, what are your goals? And do you think you've accomplished some of those, if not all of them? Uh, well, I had some goals and then COVID hit and I threw those goals out the window and I made new goals. Um, at the Western Region Gathering back in October, one of the goals that I came up with is I wanted to hit um, 100% unit elections. Now, that gets a lot harder when troops aren't willing to do online elections. Um, so that's a, a goal that I have heavily modified. Um, my main goal is to support my lodges through like effective trainings and then through the section conclave. And I'm still as committed as ever to delivering those, even though they're going to look a little bit different now. So we were fortunate enough to have our ACT conference the weekend before California closed down for COVID. So that's out of the way. But I've done 
online LLDs. I've given training sales at other events, and we are deep in the midst of a of finding a potential uh, virtual conflict. So, as section chief, my my go- my job is still to deliver on all those things, mm-hmm. um, but they just might look different now. Okay. Okay. Um. And quick question: Is uh 3N a multi-state section? Yeah. So we are. Um, we are just north of the Golden Gate Bridge. So Marin Council is the the southernmost, which is my council, and then we extend into the East Bay, and then up, um, stretching towards the Oregon border, but not quite to it, and then east through Sacramento, and then actually we cover almost all of Nevada, um, so all the way out towards the far far reaches of Nevada, um, and then. Nevada from the top edge down until right above Vegas. So I have all the parts of Nevada that don't have people. <laughs> all right. Um, what, what are the logistics like for COCs, conclaves, and such? Uh, so first off, I am a big, big proponent of Slack, of using uh, the tools that I have available for online communication and online management. So we're a big Google Drive section. We're a big Slack section. My goal is to set, like to my COC, my goal is to send two emails the entire year. One that says, everybody get on Slack, and the one that says, thank you for your hard work. Um, so really utilizing those. We do our COC calls, some of them in person, but some of them happen online through Zoom or through um, Slack meetings or what have you. So because most of the lodges, it's, it's a reasonable drive to wherever we want to hold a COC. Um, but with, with, our, um, with our Tanu Lodge in Nevada, it's a lot further from them, no matter where we put it. And as chief, both of my officers, my vice chief and my secretary, are both from Tanu Lodge. Okay. Um, so the way we've been doing that is we've been cutting down the number of in-person COCs. So we're down to two in-person COCs. We have the first one in March, and then we have the on-site in August, which probably won't be on-site anymore. Um, but that's it. So we're cutting down the amount of in-person face-to-face time and replacing that with a whole lot more uh, rapid response communication through Slack. Okay, okay. Um, all right, moving on to our next question. Uh, what previous experiences helped you get to where you are now, both as a person and as a leader, exactly? So from scouting, from your personal life, whatever it may be. A, a lot of my, my time as a leader has been building upon itself in scouting. So I already talked about going through from elections and bridgings chair to section chief. Uh, the other big thing for me was my sophomore year of high school or sort of like the end of my freshman year of high school, I founded my high school's robotics team. Um, and so I've spent a ton of time in that community as well, trying to build and develop that new program at my high school. Uh, so that meant putting together a team of 25 or so people, trying to find the necessary funds, like $25,000 in funding, um, keeping that ship afloat, with a group of people who don't know what they're doing because of the first year season. Um, and so that fortunately runs mostly in non-conclave timing. Conclave for us is like March to September. 
and robotics is January to April. So there's very little overlap there. But that's where I've also grown a bunch as a leader is uh, steering that ship in robotics. And then when robotics is over, steering that ship at the second level. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. So as section chief, do you have any advice for any new and incoming uh, OA, OA leaders, whether it be chapter lodge section? Um, the first thing I'm going to say is don't be afraid to ask for help. That's something that actually I struggled with when I was my, when I was a section secretary the first time around, um, is the OA is full of leaders at the youth level who are happy to help you. And it's full of advisors who maybe were in your shoes, uh, years ago, or they've spent a lot of time working with people in your position. So they know how to help you. And it's not embarrassing. It's not frowned upon. Your goal is to deliver the best possible program for whatever your position is. So why would you not take as much help as you can get? Um, and then to that end as well is take advantage of the resources you have. So that's your, your other leadership and your advisors, but that's also the resources that you get from the levels above you. So if you're a chapter chief or you're a chapter vice chief, talk to your chapter chief. And if you're a chapter chief, talk to your lodge chief. And if you're a lodge chief, talk to your section chief. And if you're a section chief, talk to your region chief. And the region chiefs and the national chiefs talk all the time. So don't worry about that. Um, but at each level, the levels above you have resources for you because those people were also in your position. Very few section chiefs were just like a random somebody in their lodge and then went straight to section chief. Usually they also were chapter chiefs or lodge chiefs or CVCs. They've all done this before as well. And the region as well focuses so much on making program materials available for the chapter and lodge level. This stuff is out there. You just have to go find it, you have to go ask for it, and you have to ask for help along the way. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So now this goes into kind of your experience at events and stuff like that. So uh, what was the national planning meeting like? And was it at all stressful? I have to ask. Oh boy, national planning meeting. Um, so I'll, I'll give some context for the for potential people who don't know what NPM is. National planning meeting is a collection of the forty six section chiefs or forty five. I should probably know. I think it's forty five. Um, forty something section chiefs from all around the country, uh, and we all put on our very fancy polywool uniforms that we've ironed and pressed, and we all get on planes and fly to Texas. Uh, and we meet at a fancy hotel, and we spend three days there, um, essentially planning out what the OA is going to look like. And so that starts out with electing the new national officers and the new region officers, and then spending days looking at and planning out aspects of whatever that year's program of emphasis. So for this year, it was NOAC. For last year, it was um, Thrive. Um, and in the past, it's been Operation Arrow, and it's been other NOACs, it's been Next, things like that. Um, and so the way you elect a national officer is kind of like the way you elect a pope, which is 46 section chiefs show up on like Thursday night or Friday night, and you eat dinner, and you're hanging out, and then they say, all right, section chiefs, um, go into this room over here and you're going to elect your next officer. And they take your phone and they pat you down for recording devices 
And then it's the room of all 45 section chiefs and the last two national officers, national chief, national vice chief. And they lock the door behind you and they say, come out with a national officer. Um, and so basically you stay in that room going through rounds and rounds of voting and speeches until you have a national officer. So picture at your chapter level, you might have two candidates. Uh, you, you usually have like one guy who you think it's going to be and you have like a, like a dark horse candidate and they each give a one minute speech, or maybe even a two minute speech. And then you, you vote, and you get one of them. At the, sec or at the national level, you have 46 of the top leaders in the country, people who have gone through that voting process and won at a whole bunch of different levels. And when you get to that level, lots of those people, including myself, our egos are really, really big. <laughs> and so we're all like, I could be national chief. And so uh, at my NPM, it was actually fairly reasonable. We didn't have that many people run. Uh, we only had seven, I think. Uh, there are years where you have 10 plus people running for national chief, and you have to whittle that down by voting until you find your national chief. Uh -huh. And it takes hours. It takes like, I think our entire process was six hours. So we spent three hours on the national chief, and then everybody gets to take off like a five minute bathroom break, and you go back in again and do the same thing over again for the national vice chief. We went in at eight and we came out at like two in the morning. So that experience itself is crazy. It's one of the, just because of how ridiculous it is, it's one of my favorite experiences in the OA. Um, just because it's so bizarre and so unlike any other part of scouting. Um, and then the rest of your NPM is spent doing your best to get as much planning done as possible for whatever aspect of NOACR or program of emphasis you're planning. So uh, it's a NOACR this year. And so um, the rest of the section chiefs that weren't elected to be a region chief or a national officer um, get divided up to serve on a different committee. And so I ended up on the engagement committee. And engagement's in charge of um, the best part of NOAC, the conference-wide game. So that's your Spark or your Munzee or your Quick or your uh, Seek or your Novus. So that program. Um, and then engagement also covered things like the NOAC at home experience. Uh, we did the participation award. Uh, we were in charge of surveying, staff show the swag bag, all that sort of stuff. And so in my committee of three people, we had to start doing as much planning as possible in the remaining two days to get the ball rolling on that. And then the rest of those meetings would be over the phone over the next few months to get ready for NOAC in the summer. Okay, okay. And uh, do you mind if I ask, who is the lead of the committee? Uh, for the uh, engagement committee is uh, Mr. Charlie Morrow. Okay, okay. Wow, I, I, I didn't think that they would pat you down for recording devices, is it? Yeah, no, it's, it's serious stuff. It, we're one step away from, like, releasing a cloud of smoke when we elect our Pope. So it's, yeah, no, it's, it's serious stuff. Oh, geez. Um, and did you run for national office at all? Uh, so I waffled back and forth for a long time. I was going to run for national chief and national vice chief as i said earlier i have a big ego um so i could do that 
Uh, but in the few months leading up to it, I had a few thoughts. One is I'm sort of an, like, even though I'm a section chief, I'm a somebody at the section level, I'm sort of a nobody in the eyes of the national level uh, because it's my first term as a section chief. And most, like historically, most of your national officers are people who are two or even three term section chief. Um, so one, didn't have a really good shot at it. Um, and then two, it just like, it didn't feel quite right for me. And so I decided not to run for national office. Also, I don't like writing speeches and I don't, I like giving speeches, but I don't like writing speeches. And I sort of procrastinated out of writing my speech for too long. Um, so I didn't run for national office. I did end up running for region office um, for a few reasons. One, because I felt like that's a position I could serve in really well. Uh, two, from talking to other section chiefs, and this is not, that's not true as a blanket rule for section chiefs, uh, but from talking to a few of my friends who've been chiefs in the past, they've told me that um, it's always good to run for section chief or for region chief, even if you go out in the first round, because then you're never going to be stuck with the, oh, what if I could have been? Like, what if I were the region chief? Um, so going to national elections is a pretty clear top two candidates, but in region chiefs, it's a lot a lot looser, especially in the West. Um, so I took that advice. I wrote my speech on the back of a napkin on the way into the region chief meeting. Um, I went out in the first round, not ashamed to say that at all, but I, I gave it a shot. And um, so yeah, so then I, after not winning region chief, I uh, went to my good friend Gavin Cho, who's doing a fantastic job. Um, I went off to join the engagement committee. All right, all right. Um, and I think when I talked to Gavin about how many people ran against him, I think this was at um a lodge banquet. I think it was at the Malibu Lodge banquet, something like that. He had said five people had ran, right? And I th and for for region chief, no, eight. Eight? Oh wow. Eight. There was five people who didn't run. There's thirteen of us, and eight of us ran. Oh okay, okay, all right. Um. And you'd also mentioned that most national officers are, you know, two or three year section, uh, section chiefs. Um, when I interviewed Jordan, I don't know if you listened to that specific episode, but he, he had also mentioned that he was like a one term section chief. So at, at the region level, that's way more likely. Um, also, because like in the West, who knows what's going to happen? In 2012, um, our West region chief was a guy by the name of Joe Barton. Uh, he's actually from my lodge, from Tulaco and Marin Council. And Joe Barton was a high school junior, first term, as first term section chief when he got elected Western Region Chief. So like at the NOAC 2012, when you have all the national officers and regional officers up on the stage introducing themselves, saying like, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm a sophomore at Gonzaga or what have you. He said, hey, I'm Joe Barton. I'm going into senior year of high school. So the West is, the West is like that. The West just elects odd people sometimes. And not odd as in like an odd person. It's just a choice that was not immediately obvious from that. So, and that's not to discredit Jordan at all. He was a fantastic region chief. It's just that the whole, like, oh, there's an obvious candidate going in, doesn't always pan out in the West. So 
I mean, this year I think it did. Gavin, of the 13 of us, Gavin was the only two-termer going into the room. Um, so, like, for my money, that's, that's sort of the person I expected to, uh, to win. But, again, like, I have no idea how close the vote was. There's a whole bunch of people in that room who could have been a, a great Western region. Chief. Now, do you plan to run again for national office, whether it be chief, vice chief, region chief? Nope. Um, and that's because I am moving across the country for college. Um, fingers crossed that college happens on campus. Um, but so I'm in like the Bay Area now, and I will be going to college um, in Nashville, Tennessee at Vanderbilt. And so because I'm 18 now and I'll be 19 in the summer, it just doesn't make sense. Like there's two options. Either I stay in Tulaco and then I'm thousands of miles away on the other end of the country trying to run a lodge and then a section. Um, or I join a section in the South and join a lodge in the South and then try and get from nobody to section chief in like a few months. And neither of those options sound very appealing. Um, so, and I've been involved in the OA for this is my fifth year. Hmm. All right. So what was your favorite memory? This again, this goes back on events you've attended. Uh, what was your favorite memory from NOAC 2015? Uh, so NOAC 2015 was really my first, uh, my first big experience in the OA. I hadn't spent much time at, there wasn't very, any, very many lodge events between uh, my induction and NOAC. Um, and so NOAC was my first time in the OA. And it, I, Every moment of NOAC was incredible for me because I was the third youngest person in my contingent. Um, and I was surrounded by other arrowmen in my lodge who I respected because these were people who were older than me and have been around for a while and they know what's going on. And I just clicked with the group really, really well. So I was surrounded by this group of friends and getting to experience like full force what the OA was was incredible to me and it was also sort of the first time that i was sort of let off the hook to do whatever um so staying up late at night going where i wanted to with my group of friends it was just like total freedom to experience that event um combined with the centennial of the order of the arrow like just such an incredible event the shows the program they had a two block long ninja warrior course like the the event was incredible and combined with the freedom i had for it was fantastic so bryce you had mentioned that you attended the national jamboree in 2017 so uh, what was your favorite memory while you were in attendance my favorite memory of jamboree um so i was i was an ASPL of my troop um, or my contingent and the SPL was a, a close friend of mine at the time so the two of us had a really really good time and then one of our patrol leaders was also a close friend of ours and we all worked together on the, C, uh, the COC for our conclave uh, and our section chief and our second secretary were both Danbury's staff um, so after we had finished our day of of wandering around Jamboree and going to the waterfront and going to all these different activities. Uh, a lot of the nights we'd make the trek over from uh, Camp Charlie over to Echo, which is where the staff were, and we'd spend long nights um, 
started to plan our conclave or not start, but like continue to plan our conclave. Um, and so it just like the full, full days of uh, tons and tons of activities and patch trading, what have you in the morning, and the afternoon, and then the in-depth OA planning and general goofiness going on in the nights. Um, I, I loved it. That being said, Jamboree is not as good as NOAC for a few reasons. Um, like I liked my time at Jamboree, but Jamboree has a lot of bugs, a lot of mosquitoes. Jamboree does not have a lot of food. Um, and there's a third point I was going to make. Oh, it's, it's, it's much more humid because you're, you're in Virginia. Um, so I enjoyed my time at Jamboree for sure. But I would go to Noak over Jamboree in a heartbeat. Okay. All right. Um, so next was in uh, the next conference was in uh, 2016. Now, um, I didn't really read much into it, but what was next and what was your experience like there? So next was sort of the kickoff for the second center of VOA. We had the centennial in 2015. And so 2016 was, all right, we've done the first 100 years. What are we going to do for the next 100 years? Um, and next was a conference where each lodge could send up to five people. So my, uh, this was when I was lodge chief. There was myself as lodge chief, my vice chief, my secretary, and then two advisors. Um, and you show up and get scrambled into random crews. And actually, one of my crewmates and my roommate, actually, for the week or for the week, uh, was Eric Harrison, your 2019 National Vice Chief. Um, so it was bizarre running into him at NPM, like, wait, you're the, you're the guy. Um, that, was, that was cool. Um, crew number one, the Uno. Um, and so it was a lot, of, a lot of leadership training and sort of um, idea management, and then also um, sort of like situation diffusal and like go working your way through a problem and finding the solution um, was a lot of the training that was going on. But the other big thing uh, that really made Next fun is like the, the train. It's like an NYLT or an NLS or whatever. It's fun, but it's it's a week of training. Like it's not super flashy. The thing that made it crazy was a week before Pokemon Go was released. So you had like 2,000 arrowmen on site and youth and some adults just spent the entire time just playing Pokemon Go. I want to say I was averaging, I think like three or four hours of sleep a night because it'd be wake up early for these trainings and for breakfast, what have you, and stay up really, really late just trying to catch your Pokemon. So. That that certainly made it quite the event. So, at any point in your OA leadership career, did you ever doubt yourself? And if so, why did you doubt yourself? All the time, all the time. The big one for me, the real make or break moment for me, was my first term as secretary. Um, my advisor is a my the section advisor for 3N is very much no nonsense. Um, for any of you who've ever met him, he is, uh, is Dr. Joe Barton. He is, he's an incredible person, but he will not tolerate um, 
useless excuses essentially is he is he is making sure that you are giving your best effort and you're delivering the best program and he want and he wants you to succeed he really really wants you to succeed but he's also really really making sure that you're not going to fail um and as secretary for the first time it's my first time as a key three for a section i kept i was a secretary and i kept missing deadlines i was i got my website up uh because i showed up and i had to redesign the entire website apparently uh i got the website rolling weeks behind schedule i was getting email blasts out behind schedule i wasn't doing a good job taking minutes i was not a very good secretary uh for most of my term i think i'd like to think i tightened it up in the last few months and finished strong and then sort of was on fire for the entire second part of being secretary after i had to do it like when i did it again for this most recent conclave but i spent a lot of time um sort of just messing up uh and joe was very very clear to let me know that he knew that i was messing up um which is a very very scary thing when you get uh a message from your section advisor that says you are on very very thin ice um so i was terrified but that really put the um sort of sort of lit a fire under me to take that and to be called out for what i was doing called out for my my excuses and my screw ups and that message of like hey i see that you're messing up but combined with hey i know you can do this and i'm going to help you do this but you need to also put the work in was a huge moment for me and that's something that i've taken into all other aspects of my leadership both at the lodge at the section levels and then also through robotics or whatever is i make try to make sure that's clear from the beginning maybe not quite as scary as the way joe does it but from the beginning i try and tell people i want you to succeed we're on the same team here everything i'm doing is for you to succeed and i need you to work with me on that so i need you to tell me if it's not going well i need you to tell me if you've messed up or if you're going to miss a deadline or anything else and that's okay like obviously i'd rather you not miss deadlines but if you're going to miss a deadline you're going to miss a deadline tell me that ahead of time so that we can make new plans that work into that so that that was a hugely scary but a hugely formative moment for me as as a person the oa and as a leader okay okay and do you th- do you attribute that to your success as a leader in the OA? Um, I'd sure like to think I've been successful, and I'd say definitely. And um, was Dr. Barden the person that you most looked up to throughout your scouting and OA career, or was it another individual? Um, so there, there's a few answers to that question. Um, Dr. Barton, for sure. Joe has been, I've, I've, I've explicated on it. He's been very, very impactful. Um, Huh. One of the others that I uh, highlight is Kenny Larson. And he's that scout I alluded to earlier. He's the first friend that I made in my troop that that me that sort of brought me along to troop events and gave me a reason to keep attending my troop meetings. And he was the one who introduced me to the OA. And he was the one who encouraged me to be a lodge chief. And so he is someone who I can thank for really 
getting me started in my time in scouting and in the OA. So I'd say the two of them are huge influences in my time in the OA. Okay. Okay. All right. So last few questions. Are you planning to be a part of Operation Arrow in 2021? Uh, so as a section chief, um, I am essentially required to be. So that's one of the things they don't tell you about the job is in addition to running a conclave and supporting your lodges, you are also a walking advertisement for whatever national wants you to advertise. Uh, so there's a peek behind the curtain there. So yes, I will most likely be involved in Operation Arrow. I don't know in what capacity yet. I will certainly be advertising it at all the events I'm going to. So we'll have to see what uh, the summer holds, but odds are I will probably be involved at some level. Okay. All right. So I'm sure you've heard of World Scout Moot, right? I have indeed. Are you planning to attend it in Ireland? I would absolutely love to. I don't know a ton about it, um, but I came across it on the internet somewhere, and I actually met a guy from Ireland uh, at Jamboree 2017, and so I asked him about it. He gave me some more information, and so, I mean, it obviously is going to depend on what my summer looks like. Do I have... Um, do I have an internship that I'm going to? Do I have a job? Who knows? But if I am available, I will be at the moot. All right. All right. Last question. All right. And this, is, this often changes depending on who I interview. Which region is best overall? Uh, well, I'd have to give the, the only correct answer to this question, which is West is best. Uh, and this is something that it gets, it gets beat into you as a Western region section chief. Is best is best. We we are proud of that fact. We are loud about that fact. We are obnoxious about that fact. I have a lanyard sitting uh, in front of me that I have my keys on that just says West is best all the way around it. Yeah, no, West most certainly is the best. So that's it for this week's episode of The Scout. First and foremost, I just want to thank Bryce Hansen for taking the time to join me during this episode. Uh, second of all, if you're like me and you're quarantined due to COVID-19, I feel you. I'm bored. You know, only thing that really keeps me entertained is doing the podcast. But know this, that though this time may be hard, it'll pass. So I encourage you all to remain positive and be hopeful for a better tomorrow. Uh, and if you want to support the show, then please go ahead and follow our Instagram page at the underscore scout podcast. And I've also linked the account down below. Or you can share the show with your scouting buddies, your parents, your teacher, whomever it may be. Either way, I'm very grateful that you all decided to tune in this week on the scout. So once again, my name is Jonah Higuchi, and be sure to tune in next time on the scout.